and then we could like talk about how we became like i don't know side project connoisseurs <laughs> yep yep we can do that if we ever decide to rename the podcast side project connoisseurs is it Welcome to Slow and Steady, the podcast where you get to follow along as we build products in public. Each week, we'll give you an honest peek into our lives as we share our struggles, our wins, and everything in between. I'm Brian. I am in Cape Cod, Massachusetts, and I am feeling motivated. And I'm Benedict. Today is July 20th. I'm, as usual, uh, near Frankfurt, Germany, and I'm feeling productive. And I am Benedicta. And I am still in Oslo, Norway. This is episode 100. Ooh! And I am feeling super pumped. I, wow. Episode 100. I, I never yeah. thought I would really, I never thought I would say that. Um. <laughs> You've been going slow and steady for 100 the episodes. Whole, the whole time. Yeah. I yeah. Like, it's crazy. But I mean, consistency is key here. I, I think yeah. we, we, I don't think we missed a lot of weeks, maybe two or three. But other than that, yeah. I think we recorded an episode every single yeah. week. Just showing up week after week after week. I so am super we, impressed. Well, and we're we're glad to we're <laughs> glad to have you and glad to to add you into the mix here. And so what we thought we would do, listener, is because we are at episode one hundred to kind of, you know, celebrate and mark the occasion is to just spend some time in this episode doing a bit of a like a reintroduction, um, uh, kind of a get getting to know all of your co-hosts, and for us to ask a few questions of each other about our backgrounds, how we came to be where we are at right now. So, Queen Ray, Benedicta, <laughs> you <laughs> you're, you're gonna you're gonna be up first. We we never we never took the time to give you like a true formal you know royal uh welcome into the into the show <laughs> i'm happy you're leading <laughs> into this queen <laughs> oh i'm i'm feeling it i i am i am realizing that i have not leaned into it quite enough so from now on get ready um <laughs> but but yeah would you would you go ahead and just kind of give us like a little bit of a background how did you how did you get into web development what have you been you know what have you been working on that they got you to got you here. Yeah, you want to do all of me first, or should we do how we get into development? Yeah, no, first? no, let's oh, just, like a round. No, no, let's just yeah, every let's, everything about everything, everything about, about me. me. Uh, so, <laughs> how how did you how did you first get into web development, and like what was the first thing that you ever, you know, pushed uh, pushed into production that sort of thing? I think actually the first thing that I made was pushed into production it was a website for my junior high school uh, i cannot ah. remember what was on there anymore but my norwegian teacher of all things he came back from some sort of um kind of um what's it called like additional education that he did as a teacher development kind of yeah thing. And he came back and he was like, wow, this like web stuff is so cool. He had been taught some HTML and CSS. And somehow he kind of like rounded up, I think about four of us girls. And we're like, this is like, you should be doing this. Um, so it's me and I think two, three others. And we then had this as an elective 
um, web development as an elective. I don't really remember what it was called, but we had it as an elective and we ended up making a page for um, the school and we were allowed, of course, access to their... <laughs> I don't know, some kind of folder somewhere because it was yeah. actually live. <laughs> right. It was actually online at some point um, before, you know, the, the city decided to make all of, the, <laughs> all of the websites for the schools. I mean, this is how it was in the beginning, right? It was like totally. whoever had... Whoever could do it. Whoever could, yeah, whoever could save <laughs> HTML files, you know, somewhere could do it. So that was my introduction. I don't know if that was like the first time I was uh, doing computer stuff because my mom um, is a programmer and a CTO or uh, ended her career as a CTO, a chief technical officer for hire. So she sat me down and she was a single mom. So she sat me down at some point with the computer and she was like, you can do whatever you want. Just don't do this. And that was some command to delete all of the computer. And I, to this day, I've never looked that up because I can't remember what it was. But I think somehow, like, it got me really into computer. Like, I could use the computer as a tool. And I really enjoyed using it as a tool. But it also made me a little scared of the terminal. So that, I guess, took me until, like, five years ago to be really friendly with the terminal again. Because I realized that somehow you had powers to delete everything if you were in the, um, in the terminal. Um, <laughs> But my, my best friend um, at the time, and she's still a good friend, we would then go online and like find images of our like heroes and create wallpapers that we sent back and forth. And then I would uh, ICQ. I don't know if you remember oh, that, like yes. the chat Gosh, with yes. my best flower, friend. I yeah, little flower. Uh, I would yeah. then chat with my friend in Sweden. Uh, who was a much bigger geek than me? They had like lawn lawn parties. Do you call them that in English? Yeah, like land, land parties, land parties, and was like gaming and stuff. I never got into gaming, so that was my foray into the web. I guess. <laughs> well, that's. I mean, your teacher had a lot of vision. To he had a. To, yes, it's really really cool. It's a sign of a great teacher to. Yeah. Morten Seip, yeah. if you're listening to this, thank you so much. <laughs> I don't think I've ever... I should send him a thank you note, yeah. actually. I should. And then in high school, I I got really interested more in kind of the design aspect. So I started um, subscribing to some magazine. I can't really remember what it's called, but it was like a creative web magazine. And I ended up going to their conference in London um, I think I got my parents. My dad lives in London, so I kind of made it a trip. And I went to their conference. I think I was the only one. Like I was probably like <laughs> 17, 16 at the time. Um, but there was a lot of like the Dreamweaver and Illustrator. Yeah. It was like kind of mm -hmm. Adobe land, design land. So I, I did a lot of work in, in that. And I ended up getting paid. I created a website for a gallery in Oslo that my mom's friend was the, she was the uh, CEO or CEO, the manager, I guess, of that uh, gallery for a while. So I made that for her. And then I created my first JavaScript for a school play. We needed an image gallery to promote, uh, to promote the school play. And that was my first real bug because me and my mom, who had been taking some JavaScript classes at the time to like see if the web was something for her, uh, we couldn't figure it out. It took like 
a day, two days or something, and I had spelled height wrong. Oh. You know, because this was in the days before no, like no real winters. no linters, yeah. and there was. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I am a copy paste queen since to the day because I'm a really bad speller, and I I'm always going to remember spelling that um, wrong and yeah. spending so long because we went over to the logic again and again, and we could find nothing yeah. wrong, and that was that stupid Finally. t th or h t mm. problem. <clears throat> We've but, all been there. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Too many times. We, yeah, and we also we will be there in the future. Like this stuff, like this keeps <laughs> happening so many times. Yeah, it is really uh, like an ongoing issue. Like there's always some things like that when you do programming, where it's the little things, and you're like, "Well, I've checked everything, but you haven't checked the spelling or something simple uh, mm -hmm. or simple, simple-ish um, like that." And then I think this is the first time I'm really talking through this. So sorry if it's a little rambling. Uh, but after that, I ended up realizing I should not do design in kind of high um, after high school. I should do programming. So I applied and got into the Master of Computer Science program at the Technical University in Norway, where actually both my parents went. And I'm born in that city for that reason. And uh, there... This was two, 2003, I guess. So there was nothing about the web in the program. In school, yeah. Yeah. So for the next kind of five years, it was all Java and uh, .NET and that kind of stuff. And we had, I mean, this is, you know, like a serious computer science education. We had, you know, algorithm classes and all of that stuff, image processing techniques. Uh, so I didn't really, and I wasn't the kind of person that then like coded a lot outside of school. I did all kinds of other things. So for a while there, it was mostly uh, that kind of school work. I did do some like WordPress work and both for myself and others, because I still like that kind of aspect of getting things out there online, yeah. um, but what, nothing what? serious. What made you, why, why did you decide not to go the design route? You said you decided that you shouldn't go the design route. You should go the, the programming route. Why? I realized I would probably not be the best designer. I would be an okay designer. And then I looked at like the career prospects for designers at the time mm -hmm. and I'm thinking it's still the same that it would be a lot easier to get a high paying tech job than a high paying design job like you can get okay. really good high paying design jobs of course but it's easier fewer and far between yeah. to, to you know to to get to a higher kind yeah. of level as a programmer and also i realized i probably had more potential in programming um, and I thought that less people would choose programming because it's supposedly harder um, than design and supposedly less creative than design. But, you know, I disagree. <laughs> also not true. Yeah. 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 So yeah. the answer, the, the short answer to my question is you were uncharacteristically self-aware as a uh, high schooler. <laughs> and that's why you were able to to make that sort of mature decision. Okay. Cool. I mean, it also helps answer. though that my mom and all my mom and dad and all their friends went to this um tech university. Yeah, school. Yeah. And I've also seen that none of them really worked with exactly what they were educated as. So this technical university has um all of the like, you know, mechanical engineer and electrical engineer and robotics and all of mm -hmm. those kinds of it's kind of 
I mean, Norwegians will laugh, but it's like the Norwegian MIT. <laughs> but I mean, we're nowhere near MIT because we're Norway, but like that's the kind of school it is. So I'd seen like they they could go many directions with their education. Uh, and at the time, I probably thought I would like go and become like a, you know, project leader and then, you know, company leader or something yeah. was like my yeah. my my idea but i like coding well, more and more <laughs> what was your so so then what was your first job like after after graduation who 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 did you go to work for did you go go to work for yourself right away what was that like yeah so i together with most of my class we got jobs a year before we were done because this is this was like the height of it was like yeah. 2009 i guess yeah i graduated 2009 so the summer before i got a job with a really nice consultancy company called iterate and i accepted a full-time position with them and went to work for them the year um the year after the year i graduated and I think like a lot of us were sold a very wrong tale about what it would be to be a consultant. And in Norway, you know, we have very high work uh, worker rights. So a lot of the tech work is done by these consultancy companies where then other other companies and governmental entities can hire in people and then fire them because they are then not employees. Um, yeah. So there's a lot less in-house um, it's changing now because people are realizing we need they need uh, tech people in-house. But at the time, like everybody was mostly hired by these consultancy companies and then work would work on projects. So because you were because you were a contractor, you didn't have the worker protections. I did. I did at the company oh, okay. I worked. But okay, like, that's, that's, but that's like if you. Yeah. So but if you okay. were kind of the you know, postal services, you don't want to hire a hundred people to build something because then two years later, you only need 10 of them to kind of maintain mm -hmm. it. So that's how we've solved it. Then in our ways that you then go to one of these consultancy shops, shops, and then hire resources from them and then okay. uh, put that into your project. Gotcha. Um, and it was a really cool company. Uh, but I think a lot of us that year were sold on. I mean, they so wanted us. So they came up to our university and they would like buy us alcohol and gourmet dinners and all these things. And they would talk about everyone being able to, you know, work on what they wanted. And it was exciting projects. And if we only wanted to work like three months on one project, then that was fine. And we would get like to go to another project. And obviously none of this was true. Uh, when you got out there, you had had to like work you know in dingy offices and and you know we were not allowed to do whatever we wanted of course like I mean it shouldn't be like that but it was a little bit of a, yeah. a best kill the expectations um, were misaligned the yeah. expectations were a little bit misaligned um probably not as much for me since my mom had been in the industry though but for a lot of us it was but at the time uh, my friend Anlish he made a Spotify remote control for the iPhone and we called it remoteless. So this was when Spotify just came out and it didn't have remote functionality and you could only play it on your computer. So okay. this, or I think they had an app as well, but if you wanted to play it on your computer that was hooked up to like your hi-fi system, then you would need a remote or Anders at least needed a remote. And he made one. And then he asked me and a couple of others to join him. And I became kind of the marketing community person for remoteless. And at the point, I think we made like 4K a month or something for a while. Uh, 
uh, in like iPhone sales, iPhone app right. sales. So that was kind of my taste <laughs> of <laughs> real internet money. Uh, and we then started an app company where we made iPhone apps. And for a while I did everything but um, programming because I, along the way here, I got a little disillusioned and I thought it was the programming I didn't like or the coding I didn't like, but it turned out it was the dingy offices that I didn't like. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Surprise! Um, so that so that one specific app did not do well enough on its own to support the entire company, but you had you you all saw that you had a decent team. So let's create a whole portfolio of apps. Is yes. that what you're? And also because we were com- we were both coming from co- like consultancy shops, we would then become like an agency for iPhone apps, mm-hmm. and we did that for a while, and it worked really well. Actually, uh, I mean, we realized that Spotify would like come with some yeah, right. solution. Uh, so we for a while there, we made because we were just newly graduated, we made enough, I guess, like four K or like five K or something. It was enough for us to live off at the time when we were just you know newly graduated. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and then we did get some clients, but then Anders uh, got a kid and he wanted more stability and he uh, took a job with an iPhone app agency. And I just kind of kept on alone, but then I hadn't coded for a while. So I started then coding an app, but I was still good at like the web stuff. Like I would set up WordPress sites in like no time to like sell stuff or um, yeah. But then I started creating iPhone apps myself and we called it Lily Apps. We we're going to make apps for parents of small children. Mm-hmm. And that did pretty well, but it realized um, it didn't make money right away, right? We were making a community app with like, you could make a map of friend, like uh, child-friendly locations in Oslo or other places. So then other people could see. And what I didn't realize at the time and that many people have done and failed on later is that that is a community that is not a tech solution. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, it depends like what you want to make. And then we made Lily Graham, which I'm really proud of. Actually, we you would then uh, tag Instagram photos with Lily Graham and we would print them out and send them to the grandparents or others that you uh, would nice. want to have like yes. the paper version. I still mm-hmm. like, I still wish we had that rolling, but there wasn't like tech challenges. And then suddenly I had a kid um, <laughs> and I'm a little fuzzy on the whole timeline in that period. I must say. <laughs> were, were you, so you were, you were developing native iPhone apps? Yes. Nice. And then well, the what t- was that learning process like? How did you? That wasn't that high because I had been, coding java and net and stuff uh-huh. um in in um university mm-hmm. so that felt and it felt pretty i don't know i can't remember you anymore made that like transition <laughs> i started making the app and like i made the app i don't know <laughs> i i, I got said, the like, keyboard <laughs> typed some stuff in it and suddenly an app uh, and suddenly an app appeared i downloaded what's it called xcode yeah. And I worked on that, but we didn't make really, we didn't make like real money from the Lily apps apps. So I, at the time I got then a contracting gig because people were all over apps at the time. So I got a, a contracting gig for the Norwegian directorate of water and energy. And I created an iPhone app for them that would then um, notify you about flood landslide and avalanches based on your location. And I did that for like four, I think I, did made it and maintained it for like four or five years. Oh wow! Um, 
but like part-time and then I worked on my, yeah. And then I worked on my own stuff and then that transitioned into a hybrid app. So then I made an Ionic app with Angular. Um, And then in that process, I kind of found Gatsby and like my way back to the the web, I guess, because um, Lilygram was a web app, but that I guess was like back backbone. Is that wasn't it called backbone? Yeah. Yeah. Um, But then, like in that period, I like really remembered how much I love the web and that I never want to make iPhone apps again because it's a pain in the (laughs) behind to update. And tests and all of that kind of stuff. Um, and then I found another contracting gig where I they wanted me to re- make a React web app. So that's what I've been doing the last, again, four years, I guess, for like my money for bread and butter. Yeah. And then I've been trying to like find that remoteless, I guess, <laughs> yeah. so you, you, <laughs> on the you, side. You're be- you have a baseline. You, you have, a, con- you have a, a client, like an anchor client. Your current status is yes. providing that that baseline. Yes. And you're working on POW, which is POW, which is the privacy first menstrual cycle journal. Hmm. And it's a web app created with Gatsby that launched in March to 2020, just before the pandemic. <laughs> so what what why did you decide to create a privacy first menstrual tracker? So funny a little bit of funny thing so as i said there's i'm a little fussy about the timeline there for a while because we had a kid (laughs) and i kind of doubled down and just did the contracting and um like parenting and then i was kind of coming out of that bubble uh, i would say and i was like i'm not going to start a new side project because (laughs) you know I, I need to stop with the side projects. Famous um, last words. Famous last words. So I I thought maybe let's get back into speaking because at least I could then, mm. you know, build my authority and get like cooler clients for being a web developer, a React developer that I then had become. Um, so I went to this um, global CFP day or global diversity CFP day. It's an initiative where they try to help um, help uh tech folks uh from diverse backgrounds do more speaking so i went to that and then they talked about different ways of coming up with uh talk topics so at this was 2019 january 2019 and i came in with an idea that i would do a gatsby talk because i'd gotten really interested in gatsby um, and the way they approach things so i thought i would do a gatsby talk but then and then um, I um, I went there and then they said, well, one way to uh, decide on something to talk about is to figure out something you want to learn and then write a proposal yeah. and then learn it. And then because you have to learn it because you're supposed to give the talk. Yes. And then I think about two weeks later, uh, the Wall Street Journal came out with their like landslide article about how all the health apps were tracking uh, us and then sending health data and health events to Facebook, basically, uh, mm-hmm. and other ad brokers. And that's when I thought like this idea I've had probably since uni about like, a, I wanted something simpler to track my cycle with. But then mm-hmm. that kind of hit like, if I made something like that, then I would be privy to my friend's data. I don't want to do that. So I was like, yeah. how could I make this privacy first? And then I make it a talk proposal on that and got four 
acceptances and I had to just learn, you know, web crypto <laughs> and all of that stuff. But then when I was procrastinating the slides, I created the prototype. So famous last <laughs> word, new side project. Um, and then we launched in March 2020. But as I said, at the time I wanted to do Gatsby Talk. So now I'm kind of like full circle where I made Pow with, with Gatsby and my future plans is to do Pow and then kind of create a Gatsby authority business of some kind with courses mm -hmm. and maybe productized services so I can create pro um, plugins for other people. Okay. Kind of like the WordPress and plugin stuff of, yes. you know, how that worked. Yep. So that's okay. the future plans. And that's where you are today. Yes. And then hopefully in a year, I won't do any more of the hourly contracting. <laughs> yes. That's the plan. Yeah. Nice. Familiar with that. Yeah. Familiar with that approach. Yeah. You okay. should never let me Queen start Ray. talking because I Thank can you. talk and talk. And talk. I, well, we, we all can. I think that's a, that's a good characteristic to have yes. when you have a podcast. But but yeah, so um, that's yeah, me. Thanks. Thanks for all of that. Um, Benedict, who are you? And <laughs> how did you get into how, how programming? Did you, how did you get here? How did I get here? Yeah, like uh, while you were talking, I, I I started reflecting a little bit and like writing down notes, and I don't remember like the exact year when I started getting into into programming, but there are a couple of things I remember from my childhood. Basically, one thing like the way I got into computers was like for a long time. I was super bored by my dad and my um, my grandfather just like talking about computers all the day and all the time and like it was both their hobby like they they weren't really involved in that stuff like by trade but it was their shared hobby and they whenever they would meet they just talk about computers the entire time and we sit there and be like what's this uh, but I guess it got me interested enough over time that I got into computers and um, they built me a computer and I started using it. Um, and eventually my school offered like um, an elective class like that you could do like in the afternoons that would teach you some programming. And that's where basically my first time actually typing commands in the computer and having it do things. And I think my first piece of code I wrote was a calculator that would just add two numbers and then exit. <laughs> <laughs> so and yeah, i think i would never have gotten into programming yeah. that way <laughs> yeah like and the advanced version was like uh like basically in our spare time we we, we started reading reading up on that stuff and like playing with the documentation and like writing code and the advanced version of that program was you'd started it would ask you what mathematical operation you want to do ask you for the inputs do the calculation and then exit. So you could either add two numbers, divide two numbers, multiply two numbers, or subtract two numbers, and that's it. So that was my first software program, I guess. Um, and a while after that, um, and that was close to uh, the year 2000, I think it was end of 99, where I don't know why I got into a store and I saw this book um, about, like, building websites or uh, doing stuff on the internet. And I mean, people from Germany might remember that the publisher, it was called Data Becker. Um, and it's sort of like, looking back, they were really shitty books. Like it was like kitchen sink. <laughs> like, it was pretty thick. Like there was a lot of stuff in there, but 
hardly any structure, basically someone okay. just dumping everything they ever found about doing stuff on the web in there. It had like Perl, it had HTML, CSS, JavaScript, all dumped in there without a lot of structure, to be honest. But it was enough like to get me... I feel like the listeners kind of need to realize that both the period that Benedict was talking about and I was talking about, there was no Google. Right. There was no Google. Yeah. I think. Because Google came when I was in university. So you had to have the book to have the reference or like the documentation. You needed the book. (laughs) Yes. I like, I learned most of my programming knowledge from books. And like back then I'd really enjoy going to the bookstore, going to the, uh, tech book section, programming book section, just looking at stuff and then picking one thing that looked interesting and like buying it and then learning it or not learning it, depending on how difficult it turned <laughs> out to be. Like, for example, I, at some point I bought a C++ book and I like I barely got past the first couple of pages because I couldn't get anything to work on my Windows machine back then. Like stuff just wouldn't compile for whatever reason. And as you just said, like it wasn't Google or anything, so copy pasting the error messages somewhere yeah. wasn't an option. I think it's I really didn't even have like, at the time. I didn't yeah. even have like a dedicated like internet connection. I mean, back then it was paid by the minute, and you had to dial up, mm. and nobody could use the phone and stuff like that. So that wasn't an option. Back then. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, anyways, like um, I got this book, and I feel like. This really got me started because after that, I like, I never stopped not building stuff for the web or uh, building 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 websites and stuff like that. As I said, the book mentioned a lot of Perl, and I had a friend back then who was like, "Oh, don't bother with Perl; it's just too complicated to read and to write and too weird. Just learn this new thing over here. It's called PHP, and super great." So I got myself a PHP book and started learning PHP. And um, I think that was, that was the first time I was actually building proper stuff, I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, that got me started uh, in, in, into, into building stuff for the web. Um, at the time, I was super, I was super into um, Ultima Online, the, uh, the role-playing game, basically where you had a server and would play with a a couple of other people but uh, the downside of that was um if you wanted to play on the official servers you needed a subscription and of course i was in school i didn't earn any money so i couldn't afford that but back then they still had a loophole in their terms of services that didn't prevent you from reverse engineering the protocol (laughs) and like hosting your own server and I, of course, I didn't reverse engineer anything or stuff like that. But like people, other people had done that, and there was like open source software that you can run to basically host your own your own worlds there. So and I don't remember how I got like how I met all those people, but eventually we were a group of like people from all over Germany that were running the service together. Like, have we rented a server somewhere and installed the stuff in there and. There were scripting languages that you could use to like change game behavior and stuff like that. So I feel like I've been doing remote work with a remote team since <laughs> 2001 or something like that. Oh, uh, Slack funny. was called RIC back then. Uh, and we, yeah, yeah. What happened yeah. to IRC? I mean, these old chatting protocols were really good. Like, why did they just like, yeah, that's a story for another time or discussion yeah, but for another I think, time. I, 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 I guess most of that stuff is still around. We just stopped using it for some reason. I wonder, like, of all, like, 
if I could remember like all the server names and channel names, maybe I'd find some old friends in there. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, that's I feel like that's the part where I got like more into like more seriously into into programming and building stuff on the web. Um, it was also at that time where I started um, doing that for money a little bit. Um, so I basically started my consulting business for, at 14 or 15 <laughs> um, and, and earned some money on the web, like just building PHP code for, for people. Um, and it was also around that time where I started using that skill to build websites for uh, local bands and local festivals. Um, and that eventually, like, down the road led me to to my first uh, side project. Or, Well, there have been plenty of side projects in my <laughs> life. It probably doesn't make any sense to list them all. But the one that got really serious was um, Stage CMS, uh, a, basically a content management system for musicians and bands. And, um, yeah, over a long, like, over, like, 10 years or so, I worked on that and eventually launched it and it eventually made some money, uh, but it never took off to, uh, to, to make like meaningful it's revenue. I think. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like at its peak, I, it, it was like 300 or 400 euros MRR, something like that, maybe 500. I don't quite remember, but since at some points, like I was super invested in it. Um, mm -hmm. Basically, I mean, I skipped, Skipped over a bunch of stuff, so um, <laughs> let me backtrack a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, let me backtrack a little bit because um, after school, I started studying computer science. I still did some PHP work for like uh, local consultancies, basically being a freelancer, doing working on various things. Um, and eventually, in 2010, I got a job at a local startup. Well. It wasn't local back then, but now it's lo it, well. I moved, got a job <laughs> at, a, at a startup, um, and worked there for two and a half years or so. And at some point, I decided this isn't for me anymore. I dropped out of that, um, and yeah, became independent and started being a full-time freelancer and actually like doing this in a serious way, not just like on the side doubling around with stuff, but like making this my full-time income. And one of the motivations for that was also to like focus on the side project and make the side project, uh, the CMS, a real thing. So for a while, my time was basically split between 60% working on consulting projects and 40% like working on the product. And as I said, like it launched, it made some money, but eventually I realized that it's, it's a tough crowd or tough market and it's not easy to sell to. And basically musicians don't care that much to Google for it, to look for it, to even care. Like even when you talk to them, they will, I, I have a Facebook page. That's all I need, stuff like that. Um, so eventually I decided this, yeah, I shouldn't spend more time on this. And by now, like it's still up and running. I think I have, three paying customers at this point <laughs> but um <laughs> it's barely it's barely paying its bills and honestly i should probably should just shut it down but i don't know it, as yeah, long whatever. as you can afford though it's really nice for the i mean the, the three or four customers probably been with you since the beginning and who 
who supported you, it's nice to keep it going for them and they don't have to learn a new thing. Yeah, exactly. So that's yeah. basically the only reason why why I keep keep running it. And yeah, but like I don't put more time into it because it's a lost cause in a way. Um, yeah, but uh, back then I was um, also working, as I said, as a consultant and I ended up working with Jane, Jane Portman on her first SaaS product called Tiny Reminder. Um, and at some point she decided to sell that um, and move on to something else. And that was when the idea for UserList came up and she asked me if I'd be willing to to partner up with her on that and um, start this this new business together. And I said, yes. Uh, and we, I think we started working on the user list in 2017. We launched it in 2019, all while still like working on the site as consultants. Mm-hmm. And um, we've been full-time on this it since January, 2020, um, which was partly possible because we joined Tiny Seed and got, got a little bit of funding. And yeah, that's basically our main focus since then. Um, Living the that's dream. Mostly, that's mostly, well, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> well, living our dream. <laughs> yeah. Dying in my yeah. mind's dream. <laughs> You're right of sorts. Like it was my dream mm-hmm. as well. Like this is where I wanted to get all the time. But now that I'm here, I'm not entirely sure. <laughs> If if that's it, <laughs> isn't it's it always how, like that? <laughs> yeah, it's funny how often you how often you hear that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I saw this. Who who tweeted this the other day? That was basically like, um, SAS MRR anticlimactic moments. You know, thousand yeah. MRR, ten thousand MRR, yeah, twenty thousand MRR. Somebody somebody tweeted something about that. And I mean, you know, to be on this side of it, zero dollars MRR, and I'm like. <laughs> How can 10K MRR be anticlimactic? I believe it must be because everybody who is there says it is. Yeah. I can't imagine it being anticlimactic though, but it's just all all, yeah. all experience is relative. And so I guess that's why. But yeah. I've also seen a really good YouTube um a, a YouTuber, I think, <laughs> a video on YouTube about <sighs> about this. I'll see if I can find it and we can link to it in the show notes. But it's about mm-hmm. like how every time they like hit their new goal they were like but what am i doing with my life now kind of a uh, thing but he just explains it really well and it doesn't sound kind of i don't know uh st- stupid like you understand what he's talking about and he's like yeah. basically talking about enjoying the journey yep and yeah. i think like, stoicism calls that the hedonic treadmill mm-hmm, or something also something that yeah effect that, like, yeah it's always it's always an arms reach out I, I think one of one thing that plays into it that you always imagine the future to be nicer or easier or whatever than it actually turns out to be because like we're now more dealing of the same. with stuff. <laughs> well, more of the same, and we're also dealing with stuff that I haven't never really considered. Like when I was just like looking at this from the outside. I mean, mm-hmm. one of the one of the things is the other thing that uh, MRR doesn't necessarily mean profits and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. right. It's yeah. It's still a grind, and um, yeah. At some points, like growth matters and growth rate matters because um, otherwise it feels like uh, pushing Why a rock matter? up the hill and stuff yeah. like that. So yeah. But I don't want to complain. Like um, <laughs> you can complain to us if you truth. want to, though. <laughs> <laughs> the truth, man. I, I feel like um, 
overall, I'm still happy where I am because like I enjoy the work. Of course, I sometimes wish it st things would go faster, be more successful, make more money. Like, I don't know, stuff like that. Right. have more free time. But overall, if I had to choose between doing what I'm doing now and going back to a full-time job or something, I'd probably still keep doing what I'm doing now. So, well, you got to know what to compare okay. it to, right? Because that's, yeah. yeah. I also forget go. sometimes when I'm like comparing myself to others who have their, that I went to university with that now has like full-time jobs and like climbed the ranks and stuff like that. Like sometimes we're like, well, I want that house. Uh, but then I remember that I can just, like, I can just do something tomorrow i could go and like go on a trip if i wanted to or like not like it's i have a lot more freedom and i can decide what's it called like power over my own time which i realized means a lot to me but i forget that it can be taken away because i've had it for 10 years now because i quit my job 10 years ago um yeah so we gotta gotta go back to those those things and remember what you're comparing yourself to yeah so. yeah for sure well, so that's my origin story of sorts. Um, I mean, I, I, I too could go on longer and longer and there's <laughs> stuff I didn't talk about, which would probably be fun, but whatever. Uh, what about you, Brian? Um, tell us about your story because I feel sure. like yeah. you, you wrote down some notes and I'm sure I haven't heard about all of those yet. So. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll try to cover them and, and I, there's, I've I've written about some of these things online, and so I'll I'll link to these things in the show notes if I have to kind of skim over a few things um, a little bit quickly. But so like I mean like y'all, you know my intro my intro to the web was like you know ninety four ninety five. I was like freshman something in high school, freshman sophomore, and so my my dad had been running a mail order Apple repair business for a number of years, like. You know, he'd put a small little ad in this in a magazine and people would send a power supply to our house, you know, in the mail. He would fix it and send it back, you know, basically or motherboards. Apple the computer. Apple. Yes. Apple like 2E power supplies and motherboards. And um, and, and eventually, you know, taught my brother and I. That um, is cool, though. Sorry. Uh, Can we just talk about how cool that is that your dad cool. was like in the beginning? Of yeah, that. it's pretty it's pretty cool. I mean, he was like working the line at like the, the bakery in town and, you know, got in, decided he wanted to work for himself and, you know, super cool. Like, OK, classic, yeah. you know, table in the bedroom, then two tables in the kitchen, takes over the garage and then moves into an office down, in, you know, in our little town. But um. And so, uh, but then eventually, you know, the, the World Wide Web, WWW, <laughs> shows up. And so he, he starts the, the NISP, Internet Service Provider, in Paris, Texas. And, you know, he's like, hey, Brian, I think the Internet might be kind of big. You should maybe, you know, think about learning something about it. And I thought it was super cool because I could find, you know, I've said this many times, like what I thought the internet was cool because I could find Nirvana lyrics, you know, <laughs> you know, appreciate what it really was. But, um, but so I would, you know, he would go around town and sell websites to, to businesses and then, you know, bring them to the office and it'd be his, you know, 15 year old, 16 year old son, you know, building them, um, actually doing the work. And so, um, so that's how I got into it. Uh, and it was, you know, it scratched an itch for me. It was creative. It was cool. Um, and so that was, that was my intro, but it's not what I went to school for. I was, I was really into art. 
um, in, in high school. And so I first went into graphic design and was kind of, you know, exploring that bit of it, got disillusioned and, you know, eventually more to this story as well, but eventually I got my, my degree is in art education. And so I was a middle school art teacher for five years after college was still kind of like tinkering around with web stuff on the side. Fast forward some number of years later, um, my wife and I were about to have our second kiddo and we want to find a way for her to stay at home full time. And so we needed to, to fill that gap, that income gap. And I was like, hey, what if I start building websites on the side and uh, just like charge a little bit for that? And then that built and built and built until eventually I could quit this job that I didn't like and do contracting web development full time. And that was great. And that totally worked. And then we decided we wanted to move from Dallas to Colorado. And so, uh, well, wait, what year are we now? Like, so now we're in, now we're in 2012. Okay. So, yeah. So from like, let's see. So from uh, about 2010 to 12 is when I started building websites again mm-hmm. on the side. Didn't realize how much I didn't know how much had changed, you know, in that period of time. Um, but so, so to try to get to move, to try to get moved out to Colorado, um, to Boulder, Denver, I built hirebrianray.com and which was basically like at the time, you know, parallax scrolling JavaScript stuff, like, you know, it's definitely shows its age, but at the time it was actually, it was pretty cool. It's still live. I don't think it's live anymore. I'm certain. In fact, I'm certain it's not. (laughs) I wanted to see this. Um, Yeah, I need to. Yeah, I need to like get a an actually usable version of it so I can see it again. But um, anyway, so Brad Feld, um, who is like the godfather of uh, of startups in Boulder, I sent him an email. And I was like, hey, you know, I want to I want to join the ecosystem. I think that a tweet from you that says somebody should hire BrianRay.com will do it. And he actually did it. <laughs> and yeah. for and so for two weeks, I was, you know, Internet famous <laughs> in the small little bubble of folks that I needed to be known for. And I was getting like email outright offers from San Francisco, Toronto, New York, but most importantly, from Boulder. And so, um, so hirebrianray.com totally worked. I joined a startup called Macavo. We were a competitor to ancestry.com. It's a genealogy company worked there. Like I, I joined just as like a, you know, a JavaScript developer, but kind of developed into, um, you know, UX lead and then eventually uh, chief of product. So I was very fortunate that the leadership team there, um, you know, saw some potential and promise. And because we were a small, fast moving team, you know, I was able to, to move up and, and have a bit more, you know, influence as time went on. Um, we, uh, we had an incredible outcome. We sold that company to uh, a company called Find My Past, which is like a big competitor to Ancestry based in Europe, uh, based in London. And that was incredible. Like, it just, it was, it was amazing. Um, all the things that aren't supposed to happen for startups, it happened for, for us at Macavo. And, um, but for me personally, it was, you know, a big spike in, you know, our, our bank statement. Um, but like 
isn't i was going to work the very next day it was like oh cool this is how we're going to have a down payment uh, on a on a house um that's so cool that that happened onward so it was it was really incredible saw the potential there um and just like what having you know an, an influx of capital can do for a family um and so con- I, I needed to continue to work there for like a year which ended up being super miserable. Like we were this tiny little agile team, you know, and then, you know, the, the, the parents in London bought us and decided that we all needed, you know, bosses who know what processes are and blah, blah, blah. And it was just like, (laughs) you guys are suffocating us. Um, and so the second I could leave that company, I did and, um, joined the, the CEO of Macavo to, um, work on a new startup, uh, which was called Binox. And it was going to be a search engine for all of your cloud services. Um, and that, that was, yeah, I've like got a crying emoji next to it in my outline here. Cause it was just <laughs> really, really hard. Um, we were struggling, things weren't clicking, uh, we, we, we just couldn't find any momentum in the, in the middle of it. Um, my, my dad was diagnosed with uh, stage four lung cancer, um, and died just March, April, May, just four like diagnosis. And then four months later, um, he passed away. So, um, put down your cigarettes, uh, whatever it takes if you're listening. And, um, that just, I mean, I was, that just put me into a deep depression, um, I wasn't fulfilled at work. I had the most tragic thing that I've experienced, you know, happen. It just like, it all fell apart. And so we, you know, dissolved, dissolved the company, um, returned what money was left in the bank to our investors. Um, and it was just really, really hard. Uh, it was a crappy, crappy time and trying. So, so that's, so that, is when I realized like, I can't go back to work for some other company. I'm not my best self. Also, I think that I can, you know, I've got a better shot at the outcome I want by doing consulting, product consulting, and trying to build up, you know, <laughs> hello, a side project. You went from like high, high to like really low, low then. At, the like... highest of highs to the lowest of lows. Yeah. Um, so far that that i've experienced and probably Um, let's let's hope it's the lowest of the low that you will experience yes yeah well yeah yes um and so yeah so that i mean that was my that was my plan is i'll I'll do consulting i'll get a nice base of income and then i'll build this SaaS on the side that six months from now we'll you know be pulling in 5k mrr (laughs) and then shortly after that 10 and we're we're fine (laughs) sorry Sorry, um I'm not laughing exactly. at you. I'm just yeah. laughing at you should you should be. the the Twitter, um, I guess, or the yeah. feel free to laugh at me. <laughs> and so that was so that was called feature audit. And that's when Benedict and I started this this podcast. Ooh. Um I had been on Jane's um I had been on Jane's podcast, um UI Breakfast, talking about feature audit. And uh, feature audit was basically like this very simple, you know, tool that would that would show product people, you know, which of your the features on your site are people using frequently, infrequently, are most people using blah, 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 whatever. 
so that's 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 how we you know started this started this show was with me working on that product benedict and i had never spoken to each other until episode one by the way so Um, how did you decide to do the podcast because i reached out to jane and said hey i I think i want to start a build it in public show um and you're super cool and i know that you're working (laughs) on this thing called user list this would be awesome we should do this together and she was like that's great except you know i'm kind of full but you know my co-founder benedict used to podcast and he's kind of we've kind of been talking about him doing a show y'all should do it um y'all should do it together um and i was like well we've never met and but but benedict what do you think (laughs) so (laughs) yeah and so episode one is is the first time we had ever even spoken to each other which i think is a fun a fun uh backstory there anyway Yeah, so it, it eventually it's at some point feature audit was just not getting any any sort of traction. I shut it down um, and started working on headlamp because I was seeing this trend in remote work. I've always been interested in um, in employee engagement, employee satisfaction, company culture, intrinsic motivation, um, autonomy, mastery, purpose, like all that stuff. That why do people? What makes people work? Um, and how can companies appreciate their people? And so I thought that Headlamp would, that was kind of what I wanted Headlamp to, to be. Um, and I got it into a decent place. And I'm, I'm pretty convinced if I had, that if I had stuck with it, um, that it would, it would be a very different version of the last thing that I touched on it. But I, I think that, you know, it might, you know, it might be at 500 MRR or something by now. The problem is, is that I was just fully burned out, like completely burned out, um, still feeling, you know, pretty depressed. Um, I've, I've been, I've like had bouts of serious depression since I was probably like 15 or 16. It's just like a, a seasonal or like a, not seasonal in terms of the earth, but like seasonal in terms of my life, you know, um, and so I realized I just got to put, I just got to quit trying to. I got to quit trying to make this work. You know, I got to quit trying to be like, I've got to be this, you know, bootstrapped, uh, you know, person who's doing consulting to spin up a SAS and then, you know, go to conferences and give talks about it. And just like, I got to free myself of that and stop pushing it and trying so hard um, and take care of myself. And so I quit working on headlamp, realized that I was burnt out and depressed and needed something, you know, to, 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 to get out of it. And that is when I started working on, um, this board, a board game, um, with my friend Graham and that's called backpack. And as soon as I like just freed myself of the, you know, the self-imposed responsibility to build, to build some successful SaaS company, um, and just accepted, Hey, consulting work is going to come as it comes, uh, be grateful for it. And then do this creep purely creative thing over here on the side that has no desired outcome other than it will be fun to work on and it will feel creative. It'll scratch that artistic side of myself that hasn't been, you know, given any attention for a while after some number of months, like, okay, yeah, I'm coming out of the, I'm totally coming out of the fog. This is great. This is what it's supposed to feel like. Um, and lo and behold, you know, I also got a couple of the coolest clients I've ever worked with Minecraft and Lego 
you know, along the way there. Um, that's awesome. Have, that's some and, killer, that's some killer clients. They, they, yeah, it was. And they were really, they were so perfect for what, like everything I love. Um, and they were around this. So they were around jobs to be done, which is like this, you know, product methodology that I've been interested in for a while. It had to do with, you know, parents and education, like tying back to like my actual, you know, degree. Like it was, it was perfect. Anyway, and so that that is where I find myself right now is this work that I've been that I did for those clients. Is that a thing? Uh, JTBD.app. Is that what I'm going to work on? Should I spin headlamp back up and just give it a chance? Like, do I have that sort of, you know, mental and emotional capacity again? So that is that is where we're at. And Queen Ray, wow, you. <laughs> You have a uh, you have a live webinar starting in just a few minutes, Eight. and so we may need to, Eight so minutes. we we may just need to leave it at a hard stop right there. <laughs> <laughs> and and this see if is we need like to, this is like, awesome! Like I, wow, I've learned so much about uh, the two of you, and that is yeah. super interesting for the discussions we can have moving forward. Uh, I think because then we know maybe, a little bit, and I do yeah, understand why you asked me why I didn't go for the design. No, <laughs> you were like very yeah. into that question. I was like, okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was, I am, yeah, totally curious. So maybe, maybe one hundred and one can just be uh, time for follow up questions or listener questions. That could be cool. Yeah, that will be fun. Yeah, any questions? <laughs> I'm an open book. <laughs> yeah. Well, good because you build things in public and. Yes. <laughs> Okay, dope. Nice. Well, until next time. Yeah. Gonna, until feels, next time. It feels like we should like hold hands or something now and like have some like proper. Oh, let's hug. Virtual hug here on, <laughs> on our screen. And hug you as well, listener. See you next week. Bye bye. Bye.